we commence today's show talking politics with the most widely read Latino columnist in the nation and host of the Ruben in the Center podcast, Ruben Navarrete Jr. Ruben, how are you today, sir? My brother, it's been a minute. Tell me, is there anything going on in the world we should talk about? <laughs> anything going on? Uh, I think there are a few uh-huh. things. There, there are a few things that we should that we should sink our teeth into. Uh, let me start with this. Uh, you saw, I saw, everybody saw, as we say in my neighborhood, everybody. Everybody saw the news over the weekend that the first, uh, and I'm going to put it this way, the first of these three college presidents who were uh, put on Front Street last week at this hearing, uh, this congressional hearing, the first of those three has gone down. Uh, I quote the congresswoman uh, who grilled them in that hearing, one down, two to go. That's what she said, one down, two to go. Before I jump into the conversation with Ruben, by the way, one of those three presidents, um, there was, there's a UPenn president, Harvard president, who's a black woman, uh, and MIT. They were the three being grilled uh, last week. So UPenn, Harvard, and MIT. Ruben, by the way, went to Harvard, so I'm anxious to get his take on that. So the Harvard president and the MIT president so far are holding on. They're holding on. But the UPenn president bit the dust over the weekend. They forced her out after this hearing last week. And if you didn't hear how that hearing went, take a listen. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the, yes or becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes. And that exchange is what cost Liz McGill, the president of UPenn, her job over the weekend. Uh, the questioner uh, is a Republican New York Representative Elise Stefanik. Um, and again, as I said earlier, she has now said one down, two to go. She's not stopping until the president of Harvard, uh, President Gay, resigns and the president of MIT steps down as well. Uh, but Liz McGill uh, is uh, done now as president of UPenn. Um, is it justified? Um, um, should they have uh, forced her out at UPenn? Uh, what about the sister who now runs Harvard? Uh, there are a lot of folk calling for her resignation. Will she be the next one to bite the dust? All over um, this hearing from last week, which obviously is connected to what's happening in Israel and Hamas. Uh, there's a lot to talk about in this hour. Uh, just getting started with Ruben Navarrete Jr. on Tavis Smiley. From the Merck Park with love, love this love. is Tavis Smiley. Oh! Smart talk for curious people just like you. Just like you. you, you.
You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Ruben Alvarez Jr. just getting started in this first hour talking about many of the trending topics, uh, politically, socially, culturally, and economically, uh, as we uh, do every uh, Monday or most weekdays on this program, particularly given that we are in a political season. So hard to, to hard to uh, to do a show any day uh, right around right around here uh, that uh, that uh, does not engage in some dialogue about all the politics that our country is navigating its way through between now and next November. That said, uh, you just heard the clip that we played from this hearing last week where, again, New York Representative Elise Stefanik, Republican, uh, went after these three uh, college presidents, specifically uh, the uh, the question that um, she asked was about um, the genocide of Jews. Uh, and uh, the president of MIT uh, was in the hot seat, uh, Sally Cornbluth, uh, the president of Harvard, uh, the sister, Claudine Gay, black woman, in the hot seat, and Liz McGill in the hot seat. Liz McGill, uh, in fairness, had some other issues uh, that uh, she was uh, catching hell for already uh, as president of UPenn, but this really was, as they say, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, so, Ruben, let me just, um, you're the guest, uh, you're the contributor, so let me give you your uh, opportunity to respond first, and then I'll tell you what I think of, of all of this, and you and I can kind of go back and forth uh, as we typically do. But anyway, I pass the mic to you, sir. What what do you make of this fallout? So uh, the cover story is that Liz Miguel resigned. Everybody knows she was obviously forced out and fired. I'm glad she was fired. She failed in her job, uh, and, and probably the most important thing you can do when you get this big, fat salary to be a university president is you have to be able to communicate well. It's what you do for a living. It's what I do for a living. And one of the things you are there to do is to represent university and to speak clearly and, and forthrightly uh, in a situation like that, and the heat is on. Now, add to this the fact that Liz McGill is not just a lawyer, but is a former dean of the law school at the University of Virginia. She knows her way around the law. And I, I guess, you know, about 50 years ago, there was there were two tables, one in Kokomo, Indiana, and one in Fresno, California, or Sanger, California. And our grandmothers might have sat us down and said, listen, there's going to be times in this life when you meet people who are so smart and so educated that they're no longer so smart, that they've lost their common sense, that they're not very bright. And her handling of this question with legalese and all the, the hedging, it depends on the context, just play in your mind what this would have been like if somebody had said, gee, there's a bunch of white folks running around, you know, UPenn saying we ought to lynch black people. Is that hate speech? And she says, well, it depends on the context, okay? You need to run her out of town on a rail if that happens. And, and I am, I'm distraught and listening to that. It was just horrible to listen to that once again because how could somebody so smart do something so stupid that uh, she stepped right in it instead of just saying outright, look, anti-Semitism is wrong. Uh, there have been these instances on my campus. You're right, and I'm glad you pointed this out. Miguel had other problems coming into it. A $100 million donation had gone off the window because a donor said, if she's not gone, I'm taking my money away. Uh, this was the straw that broke the camel's back. There had been a pro-Palestinian protest right after, actually, I think the day of um, uh, Yom Kippur, so on a Jewish holiday, right before the October 7th attack. And so a lot of this has to do with timing and decorum. I would just like to have seen all three of these people, and I think all three probably should lose their job, including Claudine Gay, the first black president at Harvard. There's an interesting wrinkle there that we can get to in a second with regards to some of Bill Ackman, his comments. He's a prominent Harvard alumni who I went to school with. 
uh, and I don't support what he said about fighting gay. We'll get there. But I think all three of these university professors or presidents should lose their job because uh, the first thing they should have said outright was, um, you know, anti-Semitism has no place in our campus. They needed to be somehow in touch with the hurt and the pain that, that our Jewish friends have gone through over the last two months. It's still a very raw thing, and they have completely mishandled this crisis on their campus. They did everything wrong. And the last thing they did wrong, brother, was they listened to lawyers. They got lawyered up. We now know that the same law firm advised McGill and Gay. And the very fact that they gave them such bad advice and these university presidents were dumb enough to take that advice, you know, I can't I can't save them at this point. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. Let me um let me let me get, let me give you my um my response to that. Um and this this is tricky. This is thorny because Ruben raises a a, a, a pretty salient uh, and pretty I think spot on uh, a, a analogy here. Um, so I'm talking now to, to all the black folk listening right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Ruben's right about this. If uh, there were students on college campuses, white students, and they were saying lynch the Negroes, uh, and the president of that college or those colleges were then asked. Um, uh, the questions that Liz McGill and Claudine Gay and uh, Ms. Cornbluth at MIT were asked. And we heard them say it depends on the context. Well, there ain't no context to lynching black people. There is no context. Right. And, and anybody's trying to hear right. that. Nobody's, or, or if they're, if they're calling Hispanics, I won't, I won't say the name on the air. Ruben knows it well. I'm sure he's been called it a few right. times in his life. If they were calling <laughs> Hispanics a bunch of names um, and, right. and some college president said, well, it depends on the context. Um, not, 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 not so much, not so much. So I hear Ruben's point in that regard, and I, I I can't argue that. But what, and I I can't argue also Ruben that they got they got bad legal advice from this law firm. And trust me, uh, I've worked with some law firms in my life and career, yep. and yep, sometimes yep, they yep. can give you some bad advice for all the for all the right. brilliance they think they embody. They can be pretty stupid themselves sometimes. I'm not trying to demonize right. lawyers, but sometimes these law firms give you horrible advice. Trust and believe. I know this myself. Having said yes, that. Sir. Having said that, I think what they were attempting to do, and in this regard, they were right. And this is where I think you and I split company just a bit. They were right in in part because they were trying to give an answer to a trick question, one could argue, um, about the vitality and the importance of free speech. You and I both know, we know the old adage, um, that we have to be willing to defend the free speech of others even when we disagree with that speech. So part of what they were attempting to do was to, to, to protect the notion of free speech in this country, number one, which can, in fact, be context dependent. That's a legal answer, but it's an accurate answer. It does, in fact, depend on the context. But we cannot run around denying people uh, access or an opportunity to free speech. And in that regard, I think they were right with their legal answer. Now, here's where you and I agree. That legal answer was the wrong answer in that context. And the answer should absolutely have been, we will not tolerate under any circumstance, any condition, anybody on our campuses calling for the genocide of Jews or anybody else. We will not tolerate that. And I think you're right that while the legalese answer may have been technically correct, they missed a moment forthrightly and clearly for moral clarity. And that's where they lost it. They missed an opportunity for moral clarity. The answer to that question is a simple answer. We do not right. tolerate that. We do not accept right. that. And they went all around the mulberry bush, and they couldn't give a clear, yeah. concise 
answer that evoked some sense of moral clarity. In that regard, to your point about your grandmother, they got all this brilliance, all this intellect. They were so stuck on stupid, they couldn't just give a clear answer to a very simple question. Uh, Again, trick question, though it might have been, they could have just given a a clear answer. They didn't. They missed a moment, I think, again, for moral clarity. Yeah, that's part of it. The other part of it is, not only did they miss the moment, but they doubled down on on bad acts, on making mistakes. When Claudine Gay, for instance, at Harvard, when that letter was written by Harvard students and signed by some 33 different you know, organizations, incredibly bad timing and bad form right after the October 7th attacks, while the wound was still open, right? Claudine Gay didn't say anything about that letter. What she said was ultimately a, a few days later, as you recall, there was a private group that hired a a truck, a, a van, to go around Harvard Yard showing the pictures of various students who belong to these organizations. And she said, that's harassment, right? Okay, I can go with that. That's harassment. But you see the bad look, the bad optics, that you didn't think the letter was harassment of Jewish students, but you do think that outing the people who wrote the letter, well, that's harassment. If she had just said nothing, right? The, the problem with these people, and I mean these people, university presidents, across the board, and particularly the elite colleges, is they really don't believe what they say about free speech. Because if you bring a white conservative to campus, there is no free speech. They will cancel that speaker. It's happened before many times. That speaker has to hire their own private security because they're not safe as conservatives on these campuses. They just had a ranking uh, of all the various uh, free speech, um, the degree to which various colleges practice free speech, and Harvard was dead last. My alma mater was dead last. You know why? Because if you're a conservative white Republican, you're not welcome at Harvard. They don't care about free speech then. It was this too cute by half. They're, you know, they're, they're too selective. Uh, you know, they're, they, they, it would suit them. And by the way, these are university, university presidents. They're not lawyers. I didn't hire them to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. You hire them to be a university president. Their job is not to, quote, protect free speech. Nobody believes that they did this because of free speech. They did this because they wanted to avoid conflict. They're bureaucrats who wanted to keep their jobs. And so they avoided conflict. By engaging this issue and trying not to, you know, by their mind, yeah, I think, take sides, <clears throat> but it didn't work that way. Now, again, I disagree with you on that point. I think it was free speech at play here. And again, I think free speech can, in fact, be context dependent. Um, I think that in this moment, again, they missed an opportunity. Um, but you and I, I mean, let me just ask you point blank. Um, are, mm-hmm. are you one of those persons? Because I am. Let me just let me just let me confess up front. I am. I am willing in the name of free speech. In, def- in defense of free speech, I am willing to allow you to say stuff that I find repugnant, but I don't want you to ever shut down my ability to speak truth to power either. So part of part of I was just reading an article today. You saw this article probably just reading an article today that the ACLU is defending the NRA in a court case, right. not sure. because not because they agree with the NRA. They absolutely right. they they find the NRA abhorrent as an organization. Yeah. But when it yep. comes to free speech, we have to be willing to accept stuff that we don't like, that we don't agree with, to protect free speech for all of us. Please don't tell me you and I disagree on that point. So you and I agree. That's the quote from Voltaire about, you know, I disagree with you, but I'll fight to, fight to the death. To the death. Exactly. Right to That's right. And I, I, I agree with you, and I also find the NRA repugnant. Uh, uh, and as a son of a cop, you know, uh, obviously, you know, from my background, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not happy about the proliferation of guns that end up being aimed at cops most of the time. So I, I'm not. I'm with you, and I'm with um, that. I, I want to say though, if you've been honest, if we've been honest about how this works, 
when you're running a liberal organization like the university, there is clearly a double standard there in terms of the kind of speech they will permit. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that, that brought these university presidents to the wrong place wasn't just bad legal advice. It's the fact that they don't see DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, departments on their university as taking care of, of Jews. You know why? Because they don't see Jews as people of color. They see them as white people. And because of that, they don't think that the DEI umbrella covers Jews. And that's terrible, because if you really care about diversity, equity, and inclusion, of course it has to apply to Jews. And I think that that there's this sense on university campuses that the little guy, quote, the little guy is the Palestinian and not the Jews. And so because of that, um, they chose sides. And it's you insult my intelligence, I would tell these university presidents, if you want me to believe somehow that you are an honest broker. And this was just about the First Amendment. Now, it's about a lot of other things, including race. Mm. Um, I, I will say this, um, that one of the things that troubles me, and this is nothing new uh, to this audience and nothing new to your ears, um, I am not a fan on any level of cancel culture. I, I, I can't stand cancel culture, not a fan of right. it on any level whatsoever. Uh, and when these college presidents uh, left that hearing and realized, again, that they had missed a moment at moral clarity, every one of them apologized. Yeah. They apologized. And I yeah. don't believe I don't believe that in a moment where you have a Republican. Let's, let's just put this in context. Speaking of context, you got a Republican congresswoman who is no friend of these liberal institutions, as you put it. And so clearly she's trying to set them up. Clearly, she's going right. after them. And they don't want right. to get they don't want to get played by this Republican out of New York. And so part, right. part of this is the politics of pushing back on a Republican congresswoman who you know is trying to come for you. Well, you still played yourself because you didn't answer the question the way you should have played it. But I understand the politics of that moment, and you knew exactly what she was attempting to do to you, trying to humiliate you, trying to embarrass right. you. Sadly, you played into her hands. You allowed her to do it. But I understand exactly right. what she was trying to do and what they were trying to do. They were trying to resist, trying to resist being played by this Republican who they knew was coming for them. Having said that, when they finally got away from that five-hour hearing and they saw the light of day, they realized the mistake they had made, every one of them essentially apologized. Now, in this cancel culture, when you apologize for making a mistake, nobody cares about the apology. They still it's want the worst. They, they, it worse. They still they still want they still want to get rid of you. But I've said yep. a thousand times, you've heard me say it before, that some of us is not the sum of us. The S-O-M-E of us is not the S-U-M of us. Don't tell me, Ruben Navarrete, that over a back and forth where she didn't quite get it right, but then she came out and she apologized for it, you still want the black president, the first black yes. woman of Harvard, to be fired? Yes, because I believe that the first black woman at Harvard should be treated like the last white male at Harvard. And the only way out there for Latinos, too, I don't want you to hire me as a Latino and then grade me on a curve. You don't, don't insult me by thinking somehow you're going to hold me to a lower standard than white people, because I think that I'm not only as qualified as most white men, but more qualified. Mm -hmm. Okay, a better writer, a better journalist, been doing this longer, right? So don't don't just pat me on the head, you know, white liberal, and say, well, we don't expect much from you anyway, Mexican. So uh, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay that you messed up. It's okay that you messed up because I don't treat you like a white guy. I expect more from a white guy, but. You know, you probably just couldn't see past your burrow, you know? Mm. No, I don't think so. Don't do me a favor, okay? Yeah. Don't do me any favor. And, and, my, and my view is, in a heated exchange like that, when you know that they're coming for you, and you give an answer, to your point, we agree, that is legalese, 
But then you realize shortly thereafter that you really missed the mark and you apologize profusely for missing the mark. Uh, I don't believe it was a mistake. It, it was it was a mistake for them to apologize, Tavis, because when she apologized, and then then you got comments right away after the apology. That's perfect. Well, you just said your apology was perfect. Why didn't you say that yeah, in but, front of Congress? But I don't think I don't think we'll continue when we come forward. I'm out of time right now. But I don't think that a mistake that a, an apology rather is ever a mistake. Uh, you you're not going. We're going to debate that in just a second here. How can any apology, a sincere apology, ever be a mistake? What other option is there? If you do somebody wrong, if you make a mistake, you apologize for it. How can an apology be a mistake? I digress. You're listening to Tavis Smile. Unapologetically progressive. progressive. Unapologetically blind. You're tapped into Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Let's get back to more of Tavis Smiley right now. So, Ruben Navarrete Jr., you said moments ago uh, that their apology, uh, that is to say these presidents, uh, Liz McGill, of course, now fired at UPenn, Claudine Gay at the moment, at the moment, at the moment, still holding on at Harvard, uh, and Ms. Cornbluth uh, still at MIT. Uh, your comment earlier was that the, that the apology was a mistake. You got to unpack that for me, brother. I don't understand that. Yeah. So you said, you qualified it. You said, if someone makes a sincere apology. Yes. Well, that's debatable in the case of the, these university presidents, because am I to believe that what they said to Congress was insincere, that they really did just sort of read from a script in their head that was put there by lawyers, and they didn't have the good sense to edit the script? And now when, when the apology was made, I saw immediately there were comments you know, on, on YouTube and elsewhere saying, this is perfect, but the very fact that you didn't say this before Congress is now confusing. You know, were you being sincere then or insincere now or vice versa? I will tell you this. I was thinking during the break, there have been various cases, as you know, over the years, too many cases of white commentators on television or radio who are calling sports events who say the wrong thing, usually a slur against black people. Okay? Mm -hmm. And those people get canceled. They get fired. And here's where you and I disagree again. I'm in favor of cancel culture mm -hmm. as someone who has been canceled myself mm -hmm. because canceling is about accountability. And I could point to any number of people on the right who got canceled and should have been canceled, okay? Mm -hmm. Whether it's Lou Dobbs or whether it's Tucker Carlson or a bunch of folks, uh, there's a lot of people who deserve it, and this is about accountability. But let me give you a quick example. I pulled this up. Do you remember the story in May uh, about veteran Oakland Ace broadcaster Glenn Kuiper, who made that unfortunate error in his language? He said he was talking about how earlier in the day he had spent three hours at the Negro League's baseball museum, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And he then went on and said how what a great place it was, how much he learned, and it was great. And I'm happy to see that he went there. But he used, inadvertently, mistakenly used the N-word instead of Negro, right? Mm -hmm. He was suspended, and then before he could be fired, he, was, he said this, quote, I sincerely apologize to everyone who was hurt by this. It was a terrible but honest mispronunciation. I take full responsibility. He got fired, right? Mm-hmm. My question to the black community is this. Why is it enough when a black woman apologizes, but not enough when a white male does? That's a horrible example. It's a horrible, it's a horrible comparison. Uh, let, let, me, let, me, let me just keep it real. That, that, I, you, now, now, you, now you're making me question the value of a Harvard education, brother. You are making me question the value of your Harvard education. That is the worst example I've ever heard you give in our 30 years of our friendship. That's a horrible comparison. Let me tell you why. That's a sincere apology. Seth. No, let me, let, let me tell you why. Any white man that has the word nigger come off his lips, 
Mm-mm. That was not a mistake. And it it yeah, it no, it, no, it no. is it I is agree. it is a demeaning and derisive and derogatory term. I agree with that you. Is not, agree that with is not that is not Okay, but that, but that is not but that is not what these presidents are accused of. They are accused of giving a legal lease. How many folk in our history have given legal answers to questions when they're on the hot seat that perhaps wasn't the right thing to do, but they did not affirmatively call these Jews out of their name. They did not affirmatively say that genocide is okay. They did not affirmatively in any way demean them, demean Jews, that is. They gave a legal answer to a question they should have known better. They should not have been parsing. They should not have listened to their lawyers. I repeat for the third time, they missed a moment of moral clarity, but that is not the same as calling a black person a nigger. It's not. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you that any white person who has that in their mind and in their vocabulary, that's telling us who you are. Precisely. The reason I point that out is in his, literally, in the guy, in Kuiper's um, apology, he says, I quote, I sincerely apologize, right? So where you and I argue is over the use of the word sincere. I do not, I think you, you, you are too generous in mm-hmm. saying that these apologies from these university presidents were sincere. We don't know that. I don't think you know that. And I don't, I don't know that. But let me, there's an important context. I want to roll this back really quickly. Right. In the 1980s and 90s, okay, mm-hmm. I find this part of the story fascinating for what's going on in college campuses. In the 80s and 90s, black people and brown people experience a lot of racism on college campuses. Uh, there are various cases you could Google and find out. It was that whole, before the term woke, there was the term political correctness. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there were a lot of white liberals and white folks, conservatives as well, who were trying to defend this as free speech, who were trying to say that – I'll give you one example. And, brother, this will not shock you. Mm -hmm. One of the main offenders in the 1980s and 90s were white fraternities. Okay? Mm -hmm. White fraternities, like the one – you have to Google it, but somewhere in the Midwest where they decided to have a fundraiser and they used a slave auction. Okay? And at the time, there were white liberals uh, of the ACLU variety and white conservatives who said that black folks and brown folks were making too much out of this. And it's really just free speech, right? Yep. The irony that now some 30, 40 years later, the shoe's on the other foot, and all of a sudden, on the one hand, the conservatives who used to say this was no big deal, get over it, are now up in arms, clutching their pearls. But also the liberals who used to say that this was hate speech in the 80s are now sort of blind to the fact that it's hate speech when it's directed at Jews. Both sides have, have, have swapped scripts. They've swapped scripts in those 40 years. But I tell the story because it is true, that's part of our history, when black and brown students showed up at Harvard and Yale and these other schools, they were not welcomed with open arms. And there, was, there were racist incidents at various schools around the country. Yep. And I, I remember very clearly how this broke down politically. Yeah. And I felt, frankly, that the white liberals had sold us out. I felt like the white liberals, in defense of free speech, were, uh, were saying, were excusing things they shouldn't excuse. Yeah. Let me, let me read some comments. Um, these things are coming in fast and furious. Um, and I just want to read a few, uh, and we can uh, continue sure. in a moment. Uh, Tavis, uh, gay, talking about President Gay at Harvard, the, the first black woman to be president of Harvard. Uh, Tavis, gay should be fired. They should all have been able to parse those distinctions and provide appropriate responses or they are not fit to serve in their roles. Uh, Let me respond to that right quick. Uh, I, I hear your point that they should have been better. They should have been smarter. 
they should have been able to parse those distinctions. But I want anybody among us uh, who has never uh, committed a sin to cast the first stone. Have you not made a mistake? Have you not misspoke? I can tell you this. I've been at this for 30 plus years. <laughs> I've been at this 30 plus years behind a microphone yes, in front of a camera. If y'all yes, Negroes were going to counsel me for every mistake <laughs> I've made in my speech, when I didn't parse something right, when I didn't quite right. get it right, when I didn't give right. the right response, I would not have a career. And here's my point. We let first they go. You know, we, we let this Republican out of New York with this trick question go for them first. So it's them first. It's these college presidents that we don't have any empathy for because they didn't get it right in that moment. They answered a question with legalese. But none of them have ever done anything definitive or said anything that is disrespectful or demeaning of Jews that we are aware of. They gave a legal answer to a Republican who was coming for these liberal institutions. Again, they missed the moment, but should they be canceled? Every one of us has made a mistake. And again, if y'all are going to let some white folk cancel me for a mistake I made in a question, come on now. That's one comment. Here's another. Tavis. That all three of these women are not lost on me. I'm sorry. Let me, let me, let me repeat this. That all three of these that all three of these are women is not lost on me. The comment goes on with some brilliance, which I may get to a moment in a moment, Ruben. But let's start with that for a second. Is it lost on you that all three no. of these institutions are led by women? Hold up, hold up. It took us hundreds <laughs> of years, hundreds of years to get to a point yeah. where women were deemed qualified to run these yep. institutions. There's a woman at UPenn, or there was until 48 yep. hours ago. There's a black woman at Harvard. There's a woman at MIT. Is it lost on you that all three of these women are now being sacrificed on the altar? Well, I should say there's been a... When I was at, when I was at Harvard, there were male presidents, and there only been male presidents. And But since then, there have been there's been at least one other woman president who didn't manage to step on her feet, you know, who managed as a, a woman president of Harvard not to. She wasn't, to she wasn't in this, she wasn't in this hearing room, Ruben. She might've done the same thing oh, no. and no, listened sure, to those same sure. lawyers. She wasn't in this room. And, and for sure. And let's, let's play it this way. Uh, speaking of the room and I'm going to answer your question this way. <laughs> sure. If you and I were sitting down with, with Dr. Claudine Gay the day before the testimony, we might say to her, you know what, who runs the committee? Oh, well, Republicans do. Okay. So Dr. Gay, you know, you're smart. You're an intelligent woman. How do you expect the questioning to go? Do you think those Republicans are there to help you or hurt you? If you know in advance that Republicans control the committee and you can assume they're there to hurt you, the fact that you would go in so unprepared is distressing. So for women, uh, you, you have to know if you're going to be the first African-American this or the first Latino that or the first woman this, you're not a white male. You're not going to get four or five different strikes. OK, I, I, I understand that. And, and, and I would only add to that. Uh, and this is an overgeneralization perhaps, but in my life, I've discovered that women tend to be smarter than men anyway. So the fact that in that moment, these brilliant, smart women didn't get it right, again, they missed their moment. They should have been prepared. They should have given a, an answer that was uh, that had greater clarity to it, moral and otherwise. They missed their moment. The only issue I'm raising is when you miss a moment and you apologize, should you be canceled, particularly when you are history-making as women running institutions that they have never been given a chance to run, you made a mistake. You didn't answer your question right. Should you lose your job? I digress. This is getting good. Yeah, is smiling. Smiley continues when we come forward. 
rooting for everybody black. Everybody black. black. More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Right now. Right now. Some more comments. Ruben, let me read. Let me read a few as quickly as I can. Number uh, Tavis, the presidents are not the people most knowledgeable about how these matters are evaluated. That's why they kept saying context dependent. Number one. Number two. The frame of the question is problematic in itself. That said, however, does not dismiss that, in fact, they did miss the opportunity for articulating more clarity. Number three, shocking that they were not better prepared, but academicians are people who have lived in school most of their lives. Number four, cancel culture is dangerous as it gives no space to learn from error and bypasses. Wait for it. Due process. And that's the problem in cancel culture, Ruben. It doesn't give you a chance to apologize. It doesn't give you a chance to learn from your errors. Are we going to, uh, again, continue to live in a society where people can't make mistakes, Ruben? Look, you and I are in a different position than, and I say that you and I are together against the world in this regard, because a lot of folks out there work for the post office, so they, sure. as they said, my dad was a cop, you work for the fire. If you're a civil servant, okay, and you're listening to the Tavis Smiley Show today, you know, you, you have a guaranteed pension. It's going to take an octave Congress to fire you. It does not take an act of Congress to fire Tavis Smiley or Ruben Navarrete. Uh, both Tavis and I have been canceled and fired and shown the door many times. <laughs> many times. <laughs> okay? And I'll, I'm going to be straight with you. It is not always just the white man who's gotten rid of us. Sometimes it's the black man and the brown man who've come for us. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So we, we don't work at the post office. We don't work, you know, as a cop at the Philly PD. We don't have civil service protection. And neither do university presidents. So when you pay someone over half a million dollars a year and you say you're the university president, you have to know the score ahead of time, which is as a woman, you're going to have to be twice as good as a man. As the first black person, you're going to have to be that much more qualified. You're going into a hearing room run by Republicans, and you're telling me that your Ph.D. and law degree notwithstanding – you didn't know an ambush was coming. But as, but as a woman, as a you woman, fired for being dumb. I get it. But <laughs> there's a comment I'm reading right now that says, "I don't know if gay should be fired, but her common <laughs> sense, her common sense should be questioned." So I I, I, I hear that point from this from the listener. I hear that point from you. My only point again is this: if white men hear me, if white yeah. men are allowed to make mistakes perennially, oh, yeah. hold up, hold up. <laughs> perennially yeah. day in and day out and not just mistakes but they are misogynist oh yes they are racist they, they are homophobic companies. they bankrupt they companies. bankrupt companies if they can do this over and donald trump filed bankruptcy three. what three or four five times and became president three, of these united three. states don't tell me that white boys three. can make mistakes perennially every single day and three women Answer one question without more clarity, and they should all be canceled. Get out of here. Get out of here. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. More honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Tavis Smiley. Ruben Navarrete Jr., I'll give you the last word here, but let me just say I was thinking during that break about the following. I was thinking of all the white men in Congress in Congress. Right. And all the stuff they've gotten away with. Right. I'm thinking of all the white men in Congress and the hearings where they've grilled other people when they had their own skeletons in the closet. Can I keep it real? <laughs> Can I take it to the right. bridge? Can I hit it and quit it? I'm thinking of Joe <laughs> Biden. I'm thinking of Joe right. Biden and Anita Hill. He didn't get canceled after that. Right. I'm thinking of Joe Biden and the crime bill. He didn't get canceled after that. He became president. I'm thinking of mm-hmm. Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. He didn't get canceled after right. that. 
I'm thinking of George Bush and Iraq and the weapons of mass destruction that never existed. He didn't get canceled after that. I'm thinking right. of Ronald Reagan and Iran Contra. He didn't get canceled after that. But three college presidents who are women for the first time ever in history, you have this moment. And we want to cancel all three because they didn't answer your question right. When white men do this day in and day out and they <laughs> never get canceled, I digress. The last two minutes belong to you anyway you want to come. They have to, as they say in Spanish. Not only did these women get bad advice, I laid dollars to donuts. They got bad advice from white, white men. White men, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why I t I'm going to tell you, I believe in reincarnation. My, my wife wants to come back as a dolphin. I want to come back as a white male. <laughs> because, one, I'm tired of working this hard, okay? I'd like to know what it's like to be born on third base and have a little privilege. And also, I want to know what it's like to get five, six, seven at-bats. Because it's been my experience that whenever I get canceled, I don't fall up. I don't fail up. Mm -hmm. I roll all the way down the mountain. And then when I hit the ground, some hombre, some other Latino comes over and stomps on my face. So this is not a, an experience I can relate to where you're someone like Tucker Carlson who gets fired from Fox News and it's the best thing that ever happened to you. Uh, now he has a streaming service, $9 a month. You know, he's <laughs> going to make a fortune. So I, I, I can't relate to that. But here's the thing. that I can complain about that, but that's the way it is. got to know the score. It doesn't do me any good as a Latino to go around and complain about the fact that white journalists are held to a lower standard. I have to get up early and stay up late and work harder than anybody else because I know I'm under a microscope. I get it. And those three women... Before those three women presidents should have known they were before a microscope. Kamala Harris is not Joe Biden. And just because Joe Biden gets many bites of the apple does not mean that the microscope is not up on Kamala Harris. And that, that, is, that is what you and I have talked about before. Nope. We want to have African-Americans and Latinos in these positions. But speaking for myself and my own community, I'm going to say to all these Latinos, when you get up there, don't you embarrass me. Don't you make me look bad, okay? Because I'll pull your ticket. Mm. And my view is simply this. Uh, when and where I enter, the whole race enters with me. When and where I enter, the whole race enters with me. I want to represent for my people. I want to do my best for my people. I recognize that if I make a mistake, it might foreclose on an opportunity for another black person down the road. I get all of that. And yet I do not want to live in a world where women and people of color who've arrived at some place historically that we've been denied for centuries make one mistake answering a question with legalese they've done nothing to hurt or harm jews they didn't answer the question with moral clarity i do not believe that should cost them their jobs i digress we've been over at junior we'll do it again down the road happy holidays my friend all the best to you happy holidays love you brother